Hey, and welcome to the Stories Unveiled podcast, where we talk about the purpose in every story and how to live in freedom from your past. I'm your host, Ashley Sears, and each episode you're invited into a conversation about real life between me and a friend. I believe if an issue is addressed in the Bible, then it's important to create a safe and supportive space to discuss it. While some of these conversations are not easy, I do believe they are worth it. If you like what you hear, please visit our ministry at storiesunveiledconference.com. Thank you for joining today. You are listening to our final episode of season one of the Stories Unveiled podcast. This is episode 13 and is by far the most personal episode I have done to date. I am really excited to share it with you because I had a conversation with my husband, Asher Sears. He joined me in sharing our story, why I started Stories Unveiled, and how we have built a stronger marriage despite all odds being against us. Asher is a business owner and ministry leader, and he is passionate about helping men find freedom. He is a mountain man to his core and loves the outdoors, backpacking, and spending time with me. Lean into this conversation as we pull back the curtain on our marriage. This episode may require sensitive ears, but I hope you find it helpful. Well, Asher, thank you for being here. You are the first guy officially on the Stories Unveiled podcast. It's my honor to be here. <laughs> I am going to take all of the air out of the balloon at first because this I was going into this podcast thinking, oh, this is going to be the easiest recording because... I know the story all too well, and you and I are just having a conversation. But uh, I think that there's so many more dynamics to this, so I'm a little bit like, hmm, how's this going to go? <laughs> well, and I'm going to work on not crying my way through it as well, <laughs> even though I've told the story time and time again. Right. Okay. Well, I guess we should probably just uh, set the stage a little um, and talk a little bit about background and start from the beginning. So... Let's talk for a second about our life, maybe before we met each other, a little bit of backstory, and I'll let you go first. Well, um, I was raised in Reno, Nevada, um, not, um, didn't have any faith background or anything, um, just had a your typical American life, <laughs> as it were, you know, um, Parents worked hard. Uh, both of them worked out of the home and uh, worked on different schedules. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of times that uh, myself and my sister were left to our own devices. Right. Um, I caused my fair share of trouble. <laughs> Nothing ever <laughs> <No>. too bad. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and so um, my my dad uh, was a casino marketing executive and always had junkets with uh, the the. Oakland Raiderettes or the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And uh, so I would get a lot of um, signed memorabilia with yeah. pictures, stuff like that. Um, and and that was just, that was kind of the direction that life went. It and was normal. For yeah. You. It was normal for you. Yeah. And um, so I thought that's, I thought that was, was the, the focus of things mm. um, growing up as a, as what a young man. Exactly. Okay. Um, well, now I'll go. This is different because you and I are both engaging in a conversation. Uh, the listeners probably don't know a lot about me necessarily, unless you've been to a Stories Unveiled conference. Um, let's see. So I moved a lot growing up. I 
um, went to three high schools in four years and uh, had the opportunity to meet lots of really great people, some that I am still close with to this day. But in my travels and in those things, it caused me to be a very outgoing, personable um, person. And in that, I feel like has been maybe the downfall or demise, so to speak, of a couple um, harder things that have happened in my life. And the only reason I say these things is because I think it sets the stage for where you and our conversation and our story goes. But um, when I was in college, I was uh, sexually assaulted by a friend of mine, and um, he broke into my home and, um, you know, kind of the rest is history from there, caused me to seriously doubt and uh, mistrust men, especially those close to me in my life. And then about a year or so after that, I um, i don't even know how you say it. I had a stalker. I somehow acquired a stalker. He did ultimately end up going to uh, maximum security penitentiary in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> Nevada. And in enters you, because I believe you and I started dating during that time. During yeah. the proceedings. I actually um, joined you mm-hmm. in one of the court proceedings, yeah. which was uh, a new experience for me. Yeah. It was interesting to say the least. Yeah. So, okay. So we met 19 years ago. We started dating that same year. Um, our relationship moved really fast. Um, and we brought a lot of baggage, case in point. As soon as I met you, I think one of the first things I told you was like, you can run for the hills because like I'm in the middle of court proceedings with X, Y, and Z. And we, we just, we brought a lot, a lot of baggage to our. Yeah. Your, your baggage was um, more upfront than mine was per <laughs> se. Although, you know, I had been married yeah. and um, divorced yep. and had a young son. Mm-hmm. I believe he was five. Yeah, he was five when, when we started dating. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we definitely both drug plenty of baggage in there, but uh, yours was more so upfront. I still had some baggage that was... I didn't yet know about. ...hiding in the closet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we went on our first date in, in, in September, and I moved in less than three months later. Yeah, I would say we uh, fell pretty hard for each other. Yes. So let's talk for a minute about um, me moving in. So I think I believe it was right before Christmas. It was the beginning of December um, that I moved in. And so, you know, my parents were my parents were freaking out. I was going to say thrilled (laughs) with all the sarcasm that I could summon. I was raised a believer. I was raised in the church and you, like you said, were not. I had no faith background, but I I, I will say there had been, uh, now that I am a believer, I could see where God was working um, Mm -hmm. in my life in certain areas. Um, Few times that I was sent to a vacation Bible school because, well, parents had to work and what are they going to do with your kid during the summer? And and, and actually, yeah, and those were... You know, now that I can look back, those were some of the, the the formative times in in my faith. Even though I had no idea, right? It was just fun. But no, when we met, I was definitely not looking for a church girl. You told me that actually. When I told you, I remember uh, when it became time to meet my parents because I was moving in, and I knew that this was moving quickly. I I warned you actually, like, okay, so my parents love Jesus. <laughs> 
like my parents are Christians and you said, well, I don't really care what you, what your parents believe as long as they don't try and convert me. And as long as I didn't believe that. I believe myself. I used the phrase, um, Bible thump me. Yeah. I believe, I believe you're right. And, and at the time I, I kind of walked away from the Lord a little bit in college, which is when we met. And, um, I, it wasn't a priority for me to save myself until marriage or to marry a believer or do it, quote, the right way. That wasn't a priority because I had kind of walked away from the Lord. And so um, my parents were really nervous that I was falling fast and then, yes, ultimately married a man who was divorced with a small child. We'll get there, though. Um, <laughs> so when I moved in after a couple after a couple months— um, I was pulling stuff out of your closet and I was moving stuff in because I said I was moving in with your sister to my parents, but your sister lived with you. So I was really moving in with you. And so, you know, we're meshing all of our things like you would if you were married, which we were not. And, you know, you're making room in your closet for me. And what what was there? What happened? Tell me. Tell, talk about that. Well, you found my stack of Playboys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Uh, so that um, is <laughs> th- that was a sign of of things to come, as it were, for right. you. Um, but yeah, that was um, my in my first marriage um, as part of my uh, sex addiction that I didn't know I had at the time. Actually, uh, I. You know, there was times where I would go to the uh, the gentlemen's club, as they call it, mm-hmm. with guys from work, and um, came home to my first wife uh, with evidence of my visit. Yeah, present, and um, it caused a big stir. And her remedy to the situation was to purchase me a, a subscription to Playboy, uh, so that. I didn't have to go to those places anymore. And so for you, that was normal. It was it was not anything that you thought was a problem. It, oh, yeah. It was just, it was what it was. Because when I found them, I was like, and we're done with these. And you were like, yeah, cool. So we got rid of them and moved on. And it's funny, in hindsight, I see that as a red flag. Um, there's a lot of red flags that I saw like after the fact. But you didn't even know you didn't know it was a problem. You didn't know that it was an issue. You didn't really foresee this being... Not even close. Yeah. No, it was uh, um, focusing on sex and, and um, say, lusting after the, the female figure mm-hmm. uh, was something that, that I was trained up with uh, mm-hmm. as a boy. I mean, um, I've told this story to people before, and but it's, you know... I, I don't believe that there was any ill will done. I just believe that, you know, my dad didn't know any better. He did the best that he could with what he had. And And so, yeah. And, uh, and I've forgiven him for that. And, uh, you know, I don't hold any, uh, malice towards him. Um, but it's, but yeah, that's, that's how I was raised was that this was, this was the goal. That was the, um, prize to be won. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll fast forward. Um, We found out we were pregnant about seven months after we moved in with our daughter, who 
was on episode five. Yes. <laughs> For those of you who listen, <laughs> she was on episode five. Um, we found out we were pregnant uh, about seven months after we moved in. And I want you to talk a little bit because I was freaking out. Um, I want you to talk about our conversation. What did I what did I ask you? What did I say to you when I found out I was pregnant? Well, you were pretty much panicking. <laughs> and um, you were... I was 23 and I was really scared to tell my parents. Yes. Well, I mean, you had been, you know, giving him something to be proud of for so long then by moving in with this <laughs> non-Christian divorced man. And so now we're just adding to it by, by being pregnant out of wedlock. And, uh, but, but you, in your limbic response, your panic was, you said to me, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and I said to you, well, what do you mean? What are we going to do? We're going to have a baby. <laughs> and it's crazy now to think about that I even had that response. What are we going to do? That seems so silly. But yeah, I was freaking out. Um, so we found out we were pregnant. And within just a couple short weeks of that, we were married. <laughs> yep. Never, never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> Um, while that is not my ideal start to a marriage, nor is it yours. No. Um, our choices brought us there, though. You know, the choices that we made yeah. kind of went there. And, you know, in true, I guess, dad fashion, my father said, well, so when are you getting married? <laughs> when we told them that we were having a baby. Yeah, I think he said to me, so when are you marrying my daughter? Yeah. And... For lots of logistical reasons, we did have a shotgun wedding and we did get married just a couple, just a couple weeks we did. after that. And you know, it's, uh, there, there, it's amazing how, how God uses things to, to write his story and the, the stories that we can tell about this, you know, not, none of it was ideal. None of it is what we tell our kids what we preach to our kids about how, how God wants for us. Um, but he, he took this crazy fast forwarded story and, uh, has turned it into something beautiful. It's been rough. Mm -hmm. It's been, there's been, you know, rough roads and, and stormy weather, but it's definitely been interesting. By all accounts, based on statistics and odds, we shouldn't be married anymore. That is correct. <laughs> I would say that the, the the vast number of people that have have been in our situation and lived what, through what we've lived through are not still together. Yeah, yeah. And I praise him every day for that, for, for us, for our story, that, that we're still sitting here today. Yeah, me too. So I, we're going to kind of, because obviously this man, we have 19 years of story and this can't be, you know, this episode can't go on forever, but um, I kind of want to fast forward to a really pivotal point in our marriage, um, and I'll kind of just explain the background of that. When our daughter was about 18 months to two, um, we were at home, uh, like I said, a couple years postpartum. Um, it was me and your first child together. We were in the living room. I was on the floor playing with our daughter, and the television was on. And we were watching a fashion show. Is that correct? I always get it wrong. That is correct. Yes. Okay. We were watching a fashion show. You used to say beauty pageant. I did. So I had to, to correct you pageant. on that. It, we were watching a particular type of fashion show. Um, I'll just say that the women were scantily clad. It was a lingerie yeah. fashion show. Yeah. So 
that was on. And I just remember like, I don't, I don't love this. I don't love this being on. I don't, I had these, I mean, they were fleeting, but it was like, man, our daughter's only two and I don't want her thinking that this is what beauty is or that this is normal or whatever. And I just remember feeling so icky that I looked at you and what did I ask you? You asked me if I would turn it off. And did you? No. <laughs> I, I fought back. I laugh. It's not funny. I, I can laugh now, but yeah, you said no. And you were like, you were like pretty annoyed that I asked you to turn this off and that like I had to justify why I didn't want this on. And, you know, I'll just say that. um, So I was pretty frustrated that I had to justify why I wanted this turned off. And really, I think it was over the course of the next several hours. It could have been the next several days um, that everything around this kind of started to unravel. That part is actually a little blurry to me. Maybe you have a little bit more insight, but everything started to unravel. And I just had questions about what was really going on because the response didn't seem quite right. It just didn't fit or settle well with me. So I want you to talk about how you were feeling, kind of what was going on and where you were kind of at in that moment. Cause, cause the bottom line is the reason you didn't want to turn it off is because you were watching it. Well, that's right. This is part of that baggage that mm-hmm. I had said that hadn't, wasn't prevalent, wasn't, f- um, a front of sight right. with that me. That I didn't know about. That's right. Uh, you'd seen a little bit of it with the, the stack of playboys, mm-hmm. but that was all you saw. Um, first off, Watching this was, again, just one of those things that was what you did. And, I mean, it, it was on TV and broadcast TV. So, and why wouldn't we watch it? And up until that moment, nobody had ever really told you no. No, I'd never had any pushback on on things like that ever in my life. Uh, in fact, the majority of it had been encouraged right. as it were. Right. Um, but so, yeah, I, I mean, that was something I wanted to watch. Um, and it, you know, the reasons why are, are, I would say evident and, um, the, because the, they're evident because it's just, it, what society and what I had been pushed, you know, that that's why I say evident mm-hmm. per se, but I had never, I had never experienced that, that that wasn't something that was right. And it's, it's interesting me today sitting here, um, feels like, well, I'm sure I would have shut it off after, after <laughs> you put up a, uh, put up a stink about it, but no, I, I don't believe that I did because I didn't think it was wrong, right. but I know that in, um, that was probably the first time. So I was at that point, I had actually mm-hmm. had given my life to Christ. That's right. You were a new Christian. I was a baby Christian mm-hmm. um, um, because, you know, and we haven't even hardly touched on that, that getting married, I wasn't a believer. Right. Um, and I mean, I guess that could be a, having, a story for another episode. Yeah. Having our daughter, you weren't a believer. It was... I'll just, yeah, kind of recap. When she was like four months old, yeah. you did ultimately end up giving your life to the Lord. I did. Right? I gave my life to the Lord. Got I, I got baptized. And and so um, living like a Christian was a brand new endeavor for me. Yeah. And uh, and I let's just say I had a whole lot more 
um, experience in life as a non-Christian. Mm-hmm. And so all, all of those habits and, and desires and stuff were, were still at the forefront, you know, of, of my wants and desires. Well, just because we become a Christian doesn't mean all of the things you've ever struggled with disappear. Right. Well, and, and I never even knew it was a struggle. That's true. It, 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 this fashion show scenario was the first time that it had ever, I'd ever had the question of, wait a minute. So there's something wrong with this. So then what did that kind of propel you into, um, it, I guess what I'm getting at is, did it push you into thinking, huh, maybe I should research this and figure out if I have a problem or did it cause you to want to just know that you needed to hide it? (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, that was, that was the first response was, man, I, this, this isn't right. And so therefore it needs to be hidden. Mm. This has, this can't be, can't know about this anymore. Well, sure. Yeah. And, um, yep. So that was, that it just drove it down deeper, mm-hmm. especially because now, before I had no shame about it. I, it was it was just normal, mm-hmm. and now it's wrong, but yet I still desired it. So therefore, enter shame, mm-hmm. and shame just drove it deeper and caused it to hide away. Mm-hmm. And you know, the now I know about the shame cycle yeah. and and exactly what happens with that. But then I just knew, man, just this can't come out. Yeah. So we can't talk about every instance and all of the things, nor do I necessarily want to, but that did just start a trajectory for us over the next 10 to 12 years. Um, kind of with a certain cycle of disclosures, betrayal, you struggling in silence because you never really came out. I guess maybe at some point in that 10 to 12 years, it did come out that, okay, this is a struggle. Like you, I don't know if you had like a, did you have a pivotal point where you were like, oh yeah, okay. So I have this, or was it kind of in the more recent past? So I wish that I had a drawn out timeline for it. Um, But I know, uh, I mean, some of it's a, a jumble. I know that there was a point in time where, where those secret behaviors and uh, that secret life started to seep out into um, behavior. Beha- yeah, yeah, outward behaviors yeah. that I started really noticing, and there was there was some boundaries and lines crossed with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and without regard on my part for my children being around, mm-hmm. which also was just you know, my, my childhood playing itself out now in my adult life. And, um, and so, so yeah. And it was in that, you know, those, those behaviors had been, you allowed some grace, I would say, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't for a little bit that, and then you finally said this, you need help. Yeah. This has got to stop. Enough is enough. Yeah. And, and so I don't know if it was, if it was after that, um, or it was before that, um, because I've been struggle, I had struggled with this for so long, but I just remember sitting in church services and just praying, God, just take this from me, please, mm-hmm. please take this from me. Um, but what I, what I didn't know then, but I do know now is that I, 
in my spirit, I wanted him to take it from me, but in my flesh, I didn't. You still wanted it. I didn't. It was my comfort. Yeah. It was my, my blankie, my binky, and I didn't want it to go. Yeah. So, I, you know, I went and um, I, I visited a, a program mm-hmm. um, for, for a few months. Yeah. It feels like it was a few months. At a local church. Yeah. It was a Christian And program. that was the first time I'd ever shared with anybody at a church the struggle that I had. Mm. And because, you know, in the church that we had moved up here from, I, I thought, even though this, this pastor is up here on the stage and he's talking about his personal struggle and he's being open and honest about it, I still sat there and thought, there's no way I can tell anybody about this. Mm-hmm. They won't let me serve in this ministry anymore. I, I'll be kicked out of here. There's no way. And that was just the lies that the enemy was telling me. Right. And so when I went to this program, uh, after you had told me I needed help, um, that was the first time I had ever been able to tell somebody about my struggles and it was freeing. And I still wasn't, I still wasn't ready to take on a full 12 step program, a year and a half commitment. I wasn't, I wasn't quite hit your body. No, no. (laughs) And I, and I just thought that I could manage. And so, and I was managing, I managed for a while. And so things were good. And so I came home and, Stopped going to the program because I wanted my my evening back with my family, and but it it didn't fix anything. Right, it was still underlying. I was good for a while, um, but then even though I wasn't letting the outward behaviors come come to the surface anymore, I was still struggling inside. Yeah, so that was just kind of the cycle that we were on. Yeah, you'd I'd say you need help, and you would temporarily find something, and then just get right back into it. And that was just kind of the cycle that I think we were on for 10 or 12 years. Um, there were a couple of times I remember saying that you need to figure this out or I'm out. Like there was a couple of pointed conversations. I remember threatening to leave you yeah. because I, you needed to, you needed to figure this out permanently that, you know, there was just no way I was staying in this. Um, this was not what my life was going to look like forever. I, I was determined of that yet. I also, never fully felt released from my marriage. Like I know that I could have left you and nobody would have blamed me. <laughs> nobody would have, I mean, everybody would have understood. Um, I would, I will say both in and outside of the church, everybody would have understood, but I just, I, I never felt like that's what I was supposed to do. I kept feeling a call to stay. Um, it's worth mentioning. I'm going to say, and I don't know you. I don't know if you know that I was going to say this, but it's worth mentioning that I made some really bad decisions during one time period in particular. And I just want to speak to the listener for a second that while making poor choices during a really difficult time might be completely understood by most of the world, especially, it will never justify your actions or make a situation better. I just knew that I couldn't live in a marriage like this forever, and so. Um, Anyways, we kind of fast forward. We coasted for a while. Like you said, you were still in this cycle. You were acting out and still having some of these these things were going on. But surface behavior was a little different, so I didn't necessarily notice. I was doing a really good job of hiding it exactly. in secret. Exactly. Then I want to fast forward to about six years ago. 
um, when really kind of our healing journey started, because there's a lot of mess that we could really focus on. But I do feel like the mess is important to get us to where we are. But um, that's not the cool part, (laughs) so to speak. So about six years ago, um, through a series of events and positions in our church, I was working um, at a local church and you were a deacon on the board. Um, We were introduced to Pure Desire Ministries. Uh, you went to your first group meeting because I was like, hey, I know this is in our past because I very much thought it was, but you should go lead the way, lead by example, support, support. You didn't petition. You were like, yeah. I mean, there wasn't even an argument. You were like, yeah. Well, go. honey, if, <laughs> if I had said, oh, what? <laughs> you want me to go to this? Oh, I'm real busy. I don't think so. That's that might have thrown up been, some red flags. It would have been a bad look. That's true. Yeah. So you go to your first group meeting to, quote, lead by example and to be a really good support. Um, and I just remember that even after your first meeting, there was something different about you when you came home. Something different than any other cycle, any other time. I said you needed help and you would get help, but not really. And then we would kind of continue down this road. There was something different. So... Talk about what changed for you. Tell me a little bit about Pure Desire and what it is. So that was the Conquer series. Mm -hmm. And the gentleman had brought that to our church. And so as a a good board member and supportive husband and and congregant, I, I went to that first meeting. And now if you remember me saying that I would sit in in church and yeah. just plead, right? But it never left. And so I never felt any hope. Mm-hmm. I never felt any hope that I would actually be free of it. And so going to this Conquer series and watching that first DVD, it was the first time I'd ever experienced hope. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about about what I had been dealing with on a level and in a way that I had never experienced or had it been talked about before. And so, yeah, so that first one, you know, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't show my hand yet, but, but I continued to go Mm -hmm. and each week my mind was just blown away. I can attest to that too, because I watched the DVDs actually before you did being on staff. Mm -hmm we were given the DVDs to watch before we actually brought it to the congregation to just make sure that it was biblical and not cheesy, Mm -hmm. you know, all outdated. And um, we, uh, we watched them all and I was like, whoa, I mean, it's like physiological, spiritual, the addiction. I mean, it's insane. It, it was so good. And I got to say, just from my perspective, like I, like I said, I thought that this was in our rearview mirror at this point when I was watching them. But it, for the first time, ever gave me compassion for the like, sexually addicted mm-hmm. um, because I, I understood it right. a little bit better. It wasn't just a dirty problem. Right. It was, you, you understood a little bit more of what's going on, what's really happening mm-hmm. around it. Yeah. Well, so now 
but come home from, I want to say it was the third session. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a five video set. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the third session. I came home and was just raving. Yeah. Raving about it. Oh, this is so good. Oh, man, I just can't believe it. This and that and the other. And that's when you kind of stopped. And you looked at me and said, um, so I, I have to ask, <laughs> why is it so good? Yeah, like... Like, I thought we weren't dealing with this. Why are you so impacted by this right now? And so I took that opportunity against maybe any advice, and I disclosed Mm -hmm. that I had still been living a secret life. You've been lying to me for years. Yeah. I'd still been viewing pornography and acting out. and Mm -hmm. So... Kind of fast forward, you start, you continue to go and you yeah. started to find. I finished out the, the, the next two yep. videos, the and next two weeks. On what's called the seven pillars. Yeah. And then he had said, okay, for those of you that uh, this impacts yeah. and you feel like, you know, you need the next step, um, then we need to sign up for the seven pillars. That's mm-hmm. the next step in this. And so I signed up. Yeah. Not only because I had just disclosed to you and, mm-hmm. and, and was, I was in a, I was not happy. Right. But, but also like I talked about before, I wasn't ready to, to join a 12 step group and, mm-hmm. and sacrifice a year and a half of my life because of the work in these videos that it had done in my heart and my brain, my understanding of it, I was ready. Mm-hmm. You had hope. I was, yeah. And I was, I was on fire to sign that paper and say, I'm going to join the seven pillars. Yeah. So, um, it was through your healing journey where I really saw changed behavior. I saw, cause you know, actions speak louder than words. It's same with addicts. Um, you can say all day long, you'll do something or not do something, but it's really the behavior and it's proof, you know, and I really started to see and notice a change. And, you know, when you asked for accountability software on all of the things, when you got off all of social media, it's, you know, that's why you're not on social media, yep. you know, and, and why I counsel other men on not to be on social media. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, but you, you did that all on your own. I didn't have to nag or ask. Like I really, I really saw a difference. Well, where my pitfall was, was I really was under the impression that as long as you got this figured out, we would be fine. I realized I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't fine. I was mad. I was bitter. I did not trust you. There was a lot of things that I realized I needed support in. So I started seeking that there is support for, you know, the betrayed spouse. And I didn't even realize a lot of the trauma and stuff that I needed to deal with. And so, um, once you and I got to a good place in um, our healing journeys and we were able to kind of start working on our rebuilding of our marriage and rebuilding of some of the trust and some of the things that had been, been broken, um, we that's kind of when we decided we weren't going to let this happen in vain or I guess go – like we weren't going to let our struggle be in vain because if we are struggling with this or – this is something that, you know, you have fallen, you know, I won't even say victim to, but it's it's something that is in your life, especially within the church, that we should talk about it. We need to use 
you know, our story as a, as a testimony to help other couples, individuals. I know that you spend so much time, you know, counseling men and helping men work through, you know, their stuff. And I've met with wives or single women whose ex-spouses or, you know, just whatever. We, we decided that we were going to use whatever platform we had to share our story to help, which is really how Stories Unveiled was born. Yeah. Well, f- and for me, part of recovery is mm-hmm. taking it to other other people, mm-hmm. and in my case, other men. Yeah. And and so I feel very passionately about that because yeah. of the the health and recovery and the work that's that that I've done in my life through Pure Desire. Um, it's my passion to to take that to other men and to to help them to find the freedom. Yeah. Um, and, and in that, in that recovery is, is coming out from under shame mm-hmm. because the shame has, is what just keeps you so bound to things. And, um, we have to be able to feel free to share our story. I could, I can go to a complete and total stranger and tell them the deepest, darkest secrets mm-hmm. because I'm not bound by that shame anymore. And so that's that's what we had to do. And for you, um, you know, you talked about, I remember you saying to me like, well, that's great that you're you're mm-hmm. getting healing and you're getting better, but what about me? Mm-hmm. And I was in, mad at you. Yeah. I was really mad at you. <laughs> and, and so you began your healing journey and then it was it was through our combined understandings of, of hey, like if, if we're going through this, like you said, and we're, we're struggling and we definitely can't be alone. Uh, and then I think I remember it was, it was the, the casting crown song, the plastic masquerade mm-hmm. that really impacted you too, because we felt like so often we, we come into our, our church yeah. foyer and how you doing? Great. Great. How are you doing? Uh-huh. Great. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, my it's life is falling answer. apart mm-hmm. and I'm wearing this plastic mask so that you can't see my pain. Stained glass masquerade. Stained glass masquerade. Sorry, Thank I you. Just my apologies to casting crowns. <laughs> um, and but but it was through that that we were like, hey, we need to be real. Unveiled. Yeah. And and so yeah, that's that's what you know, and I know that it was on your heart and you were like, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with this? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so he sent you down this amazing journey that you've been on. <laughs> it's a rabbit trail, if you will. A good one. <laughs> We've worked really hard on ourselves and on our marriage. Um, and we have done it for us, but we've also done it for our kids because we want to break the cycle of that generational sin. And we want to raise our kids in a home where talking about these things isn't taboo or shameful. We have conversations with our kids. Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing. I never thought that I would be happy to have seemingly uncomfortable conversations with my kids. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I determined for myself and for my kids, for our kids, that I was going to break those chains, Yeah. that that this wasn't going to be something that I was going to pass on to them, um, that I was going to make their lives different. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I know that our youngest mm-hmm. has even expressed that, um, that he doesn't want to watch Anything awkward, inappropriate, inappropriate yeah. Inappropriate or awkward things. And that's fantastic. That's mm-hmm. a huge win. 
um, because that that is a broken chain. And our world is so saturated mm. in it. Mm. So, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I end every episode the same way. Um, this one's going to look a little different because we'll both kind of speak to it a little. But, um, Asher, what would you say to the person finding themselves struggling with pornography or sex addiction? Well, first, you have to let go of the control. Um, as as somebody who's trapped in in that cycle, we try to control everything. We can try to control image. Uh, we try to control circumstances, and uh, it's in vain. And we have to realize that that there's a way out. First mm-hmm. off, I know that I remember feeling like there was no way out, but there is, and um, we have to give up the control and seek help. We have to become vulnerable and we have to have to allow ourselves to be seen as what the, for the, how do I want to say this? We have to allow our true selves to be seen. And that's somebody who's struggling Mm -hmm. and we can't hide it anymore. You have to seek help and it can be just as easy as going to the website puredesire.org mm-hmm. and finding a group and selecting selecting I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. It's that admission of I'm struggling that says I'm I'm done with this. Yeah. I need to be I need to be over this. And if you're out there and you're not quite at that point yet, you really need to examine that denial. Yeah. Because that'll keep that'll keep us tied to it as well. But it's where it kept us for yep. 10 or 12 years, yeah. you know, seek help. It's mm-hmm. out there. There's so much information and so many resources and so many people that are out there that can help you to be free of this. Don't let it control your life a day longer. Yeah. Find somebody. Thanks. Now for just a moment, I want to speak to the spouse who has been betrayed. Um, First of all, forgiveness is possible, and we are a testament to that because you and I can sit here in the same room and we can talk openly about this, Um, but it's not instant. So that's kind of the first thing I'll say. Um, But my heart is broken for you if you are a betrayed spouse and find yourself in this situation. Please know that God sees you. He's continuing to write your story despite what your marriage looks like. And there are some things that I wish I would have known early in this. And so I'm just going to kind of list them off. Know that you have nothing to do with this addiction. It is not your fault. There is hope, even in the worst circumstance and the most hurtful betrayal. There is hope. You need counseling and you need support. Even though this is not your problem, it has now become a part of your story and you will need it. Regardless if your marriage is restored, you will be okay. I promise you that. And it's okay to be angry, bitter, hurt, all the things I was, but don't camp there. It's not for your spouse's benefit. It's for yours. The best thing you can do is to lean into God, find a community of believers that are walking through this journey with you. It took me a a long time to get there. Um, I wish I had found that sooner. But there are so many great resources. Like Asher, you said, you can go to puredesire.org. You can contact me directly. 
at storiesunveiled at outlook.com. If you want, if, if you are somebody who is struggling and want to reach out to my email at storiesunveiled at outlook.com, you can do that and just say attention, Asher. Um, but there are so many incredible resources. This is not a pure desire PSA, so to speak, but man, it is where we found freedom and healing. And there are so many programs and so many things that you could find. But um, for us, this is this has been such a huge part of our story that we want nothing more than to share the hope of that and um, how helpful it's been. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being here and for helping me share our story, I guess, and you talking about some of the harder things for everybody to hear. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's my pleasure to, to share this stuff. And uh, hopefully that if it only helps one person, right. uh, then it was worth it. And uh, I just want to take a second to say to you um, that I'm so proud of you for what you're doing here. And this is an amazing thing that you're doing. And uh, just want to thank you for this being important to you and just tell you that I'm proud of you. Thanks. Love you. Love you too. Thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation on the Stories Unveiled podcast. We would love it if you would leave us a rating or review. If you would like to learn more about Stories Unveiled and our events, go to storiesunveiledconference.com or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at storiesunveiled underscore. The Stories Unveiled podcast is created in partnership with KTSY and Barefoot Media Ministries. For more encouragement and other podcasts, visit ktsy.org. Have an incredible day and go live unveiled. Mm-hmm.